Welcome to The Humanist Report. I'm Mike Figueredo. Today's episode is brought to you by Audible.com. If you visit the link in the description box, you can get a free one-month trial of Audible and also support the show while doing so. On today's episode, I'm going to be discussing the rampage against Bernie Sanders that the Hillary Clinton campaign has went on. I'll also be discussing um, some more details about the Bernie Sanders campaign. He's definitely caught up to Hillary Clinton. Um, I'll be going in more details about what economists say about his Wall Street reform plan uh, and also more. So we've got a jam-packed episode. Uh, so hopefully you guys enjoy it. I had a lot of topics to cover. I had a lot of uh, requests of what you guys wanted to hear. For unfortunately, I couldn't get to them all, uh, but I think that I've got the best topics that you guys are going to like. So stay tuned. Enjoy the episode. The numbers have flipped and so too has the narrative. Just weeks away from the Iowa caucus, Bernie Sanders is now leading in New Hampshire by a large margin. Some polls show that he's actually leading in Iowa and the other polls show that him and Hillary Clinton are neck and neck. Now additionally, he performs much better against Republicans in hypothetical matchups and he has more female supporters than Hillary Clinton in New Hampshire. And additionally, he was endorsed by Move On, the biggest progressive organization in the country, and Paul Kirk, former DNC chair. Now, finally, a media consulting agency found Bernie Sanders' political ads to be more effective than all other candidates in both parties. So to say that Bernie Sanders has had a good week is the understatement of the century. So finally, the mainstream media is starting to catch on to the fact that Hillary Clinton isn't so inevitable after all. In fact, CNN actually did a breaking news story on Bernie Sanders' increasing poll numbers. This is unfathomable to me, and I didn't expect that they would do this, unless he actually won Iowa or New Hampshire, but they're scared, so now they're starting to cover it. Now, as a result of this, Hillary Clinton is obviously starting to feel the burn, so what does she do? Well, she went on an absolute rampage against Bernie Sanders all week, and she launched multiple attacks, but unfortunately for her, she will not come out on top, and I'm going to tell you why that's the case, but first, I'm going to actually get to her attacks, and I'm going to briefly go over them. So, first and foremost, when it comes to income inequality, you know, the issue that Americans care most about, well, she implied that Bernie Sanders talks too much about it. She says, quote, it's not the only thing I talk about. Senator Sanders has some very big ideas, but he hasn't yet told anybody how he would pay for them. I am very clear about what I would do and how I would pay for it. The problem the problem is that she's outright lying because Bernie Sanders has been very clear. He stated multiple times how he would pay for his policies. So for example, when you look at the free college tuition plan, he would fund that with the Wall Street speculation tax. When you look at universal health care, he would fund that program by ending our current regressive health care system. Now because universal health care is cheaper than our regressive system, we'd actually have a surplus. So not only could we fully fund universal health care, we would have more than enough to fund it. Now, furthermore, moving on to her next attack, she critiqued Bernie Sanders on guns multiple times, and she's trying to run to his left on this issue, but the problem for her is that she forgets that we remember how she ran to the right of Obama on this issue in 2008. She's running around talking about how this is an insult to sportsmen. She's how she values the Second Amendment. She's talking like she's Annie Oakley. Now, she released this ad in 2008. Now, we all know about this. The internet's available. We see what she did in 2008. It's very clear. I remember in 2008, during the primaries, you were 
positioning, positioning yourself to the right of President Obama, or then-Senator Obama, on this issue. You talked about respecting how guns are part of the culture, sending out a mailer, criticizing uh, then-Senator Obama for uh, pushing tougher gun laws. But now you're coming at Bernie Sanders on this issue from the left. Did something change, or is it just about who you're running against? Finally, in the most egregious attack yet, she went after Bernie Sanders' healthcare plan once again, and this time she sent her daughter to do the attack for her. Take a look. We'll go back to an era before we had the Affordable Care Act that will strip millions and millions and millions of people of their health insurance. So I don't have to tell you why it's incredibly deceptive to state that people would get less health care under a universal health care system because that just flies in the face of reason because it's literally called universal health care implying that everyone has health care. But nonetheless, Hillary Clinton defended her daughter's attacks and states, First off, I adore my daughter and I know what she was saying because if you look at Senator Sanders' proposals going back nine times in the Congress, that's exactly what he's proposed. To take everything we currently know as Medicare, as healthcare, Medicare, Medicaid, the CHIP program, private insurance, now the Affordable Care Act, and roll it together. So now she's resorting to gross misrepresentations of Bernie Sanders' plans. Real classy. Since when do Democrats attack one another on universal health care? Now, the cherry on top of all of this is when asked whether or not she's nervous about Bernie Sanders catching up to her, she states, No, I'm not nervous at all. I'm working hard and I intend to keep working as hard as I can until the last vote or caucus goer expresses an opinion. I'm excited about where we are. Okay, so first and foremost, you're a terrible liar because if you weren't nervous, you wouldn't be launching all of these attacks. See, it's very bad for a campaign to launch attacks, so they don't do it unless they're in crunch mode. You're in crunch mode. Now, uh, first and foremost, if you literally are telling the truth, which you're not, but if you were and you're not nervous, well, you should be now because once you hear about the aftermath of these attacks, it's devastating for the Hillary Clinton campaign. So first... Bernie Sanders' response to Hillary Clinton's universal healthcare attack was detrimental to her campaign, and I think it's going to have lasting effects here. So, Bernie Sanders obviously has always been in favor of universal healthcare, and guess who else was once in favor of universal healthcare? Hillary Rodham Clinton. Uh, now, this was, of course, prior to taking millions of dollars to give speeches on behalf of the health insurance industry, and also before they donated $854,462 to her campaigns. So it's very clear why she switched her position. This is a clear case of bribery. It's a clear case of legal corruption. Now, even though she wants to try to erase the fact that she once supported universal health care, well, the problem is that the evidence is out there. And Bernie Sanders tweeted out a picture that is insanely bad for the Clinton campaign. So... Here's what they tweeted out. So it's a picture with Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders in 1993 that states to Bernie Sanders with thanks for your commitment to real healthcare access for all Americans. So if it hasn't been obvious what she's trying to do, this makes it clear as day. And if you're a Hillary Clinton supporter, I want you to ask yourself, can you support a candidate that's being this deceitful? You need to rethink your support for her if this is the case. Now, that image was devastating for a campaign, but... Her attacks helped Bernie Sanders substantially in a different area. So, since Hillary Clinton's slew of attacks begun, Bernie Sanders raised $1.4 million. So, every time you attack him, 
His supporters get motivated to donate to him. We get motivated to phone bank for him and try to convert more people. So honestly, Hillary Clinton, keep it up because you're only helping Bernie Sanders and making him stronger while simultaneously making yourself weaker. Now, that's not just hyperbole. Candidates actually do get demonstrably weaker each time they launch attacks. This is political science. Don't take my word for it. So according to a political science study by Dr. Deborah Brooks and Michael Murov, they explain how negative attacks actually delegitimize the candidates who launch them. So... They use their super PACs typically to launch attacks, hence the reason why super PACs have become so popular. So usually, this is the last resort for a campaign. So Hillary Clinton was way up here, Bernie Sanders was down here, right? So as she gets closer and closer and closer, and Bernie Sanders' numbers goes up, she has to do anything she can. Even though launching an attack will delegitimize her and bring her numbers down, well, oftentimes, when you launch these attacks, it brings both parties' numbers down, which that's the case. Even though you know you're going to take a hit, the goal is to bring down the numbers of your opponent. Uh, but the problem is that when she launches these attacks, her numbers go down and Bernie goes up. So it's not working out well for her. In fact, the opposite is happening. So this is why candidates always use their super PACs to launch attacks because it's devastating to them. And it really is, uh, it, it reflects badly on their own character. Now, Hillary Clinton knows this. Even if she doesn't know about that particular article, she sees the results. She sees the damage that it did and how it actually bolstered Bernie Sanders' campaign to uh, attack him. Uh, so what is she now doing? She's getting smart. So now she's using one of her many super PACs to attack Bernie Sanders. One of her super PACs stated that Sanders' unreleased tax plan would require tax increases on working families. Well, nice try, but it's too late. You've already launched a Republican attack. It's too late for you, okay? So now all you can do is try to run an actual civilized campaign and see if that helps you rebound. But we've got a couple weeks from Iowa and I don't think it's going to do very much. And furthermore, to attack universal health care, a policy that 81% of Democratic voters, your constituents, are in support of, is not the smartest thing to do. What are you going to do next? Attack minimum wage? I mean, you are going full Republican here. I don't get how you think this is an electorally viable strategy. Now, here's one more unforeseen consequence of her attacks. You just fueled the Bernie or bust movement. Now, this movement seeks to either vote for Bernie or bust. It's either Bernie or no one. So if Hillary Clinton becomes the Democratic nominee, they're going to either boycott the election or write in Bernie Sanders. I honestly am starting to see why someone would want to boycott the election because you're proving to be a terrible candidate. So why would we vote for you? If you're being this deceitful and think we're that naive in the campaign, well, how misleading are you going to be when you're actually in office? Now, I've seen so many people on Twitter and Facebook state that they were on the fence about boycotting the election if you got the Democratic nominee. And this kind of pushed them to that other side where they're probably going to vote for the Green Party, Jill Stein, most uh, most likely. So good job, Hillary Clinton, because now you are not only pissing off Bernie Sanders' base, base, but you are actually disenfranchising Democratic voters. So you should be absolutely ashamed of yourself. And I'm sad that a prominent member of the party that I've always supported would resort to such conservative, deceitful Republican tactics such as this. It's absolutely shameful. And all you could do now is try to save face and be as civilized as possible. But I don't think you're going to do that because you will do anything it takes to win, even if it means slandering Bernie Sanders' character and absolutely lying about his policies. As you all know, Chelsea Clinton recently attacked Bernie Sanders' universal health care plan, and Hillary Clinton not only defended her, but doubled down on that same attack. Now, if you know anything about single-payer health care, you'll know that this attack is incredibly deceptive, so I really wanted to break it down to show you guys just how bad and misleading this really is. Senator Sanders wants to dismantle Obamacare 
dismantle the CHIP program, dismantle Medicare, um, dismantle private insurance. Now, the Republicans in Congress have voted against the Affordable Care Act 55 times, right? Not because they want to replace it with something, because they want to get rid of it. So I worry that if we give Republicans Democratic permission to do that, we'll go back to an era before we had the Affordable Care Act that will strip millions and millions and millions of people of their health insurance. And Senator Sanders wants to devolve the authority to set up state health insurance programs to individual state governors. Now maybe if I lived in a place like New Hampshire with your governor, I would feel okay about that. But if I lived in a state that had a Republican governor, a particularly a Republican governor who already turned down Medicaid expansion matching funds, I don't think I would be comfortable, right? Because I don't want to live in a country that has an unequal healthcare system again. So I don't want to empower Republican governors to take away Medicaid, to take away health insurance for low income and middle income working Americans. And I think very much that's what Senator Sanders' plan would do. So I think we need to protect the Affordable Care Act while we look to actually expand the Affordable Care Act and make health insurance even more affordable and available, not go back to where we were before President Obama's administration. Currently, there's a $19 trillion gap, give or take, between what Senator Sanders has proposed and how he's articulated paying for his proposals. So that, to me, is troubling. Um, I really believe, not only from an equity perspective, um, that what my mom has articulated in terms of expanding access to affordable college um, is the right answer. It also gives me greater comfort that she's more able um, to probably get it done because she's already articulated how she's gonna pay for it. So basically she makes four claims. First, she implies that Bernie Sanders wants to actually take away health insurance by dismantling private insurance and it will quote strip millions and millions and millions of people from their health insurance. Now second, she states that Sanders actually wants to give authority to state governors and seeing that they opted out of the Medicaid expansion with uh, matching funds. She thinks that it'll be the same case, and she states, quote, So I don't want to empower Republican governors to take away health insurance. Now, she also states, We need to make health insurance more affordable and available, not go back to where we were. And finally, her last claim is that there's a $14 trillion gap between what Sanders has proposed and how he will pay for it. So that, to me, is troubling. So let's go through each of these four claims and just break them apart. So when it comes to her first claim that universal health care will cause millions and millions and millions of people to lose their insurance, well, that's technically true, but what she's doing is she's valuing health insurance over health care when health care is actually what we need. So, of course, it's the case that, you know, you don't need private insurance if you have universal health care because everyone will have health care. But the end is not insurance itself. The end is universal health care. Now, the reason why we want universal health care is because with universal health care, it doesn't matter how much money you make. If you're sick, you actually get treatment. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's what's ethical. That's what's humanistic. But Chelsea Clinton and Hillary Clinton are apparently not in favor of that. They care more about the health insurance industry, and that's because the health insurance industry makes a lot of cash off of our lives. So I think that's incredibly misleading. Now, second, she claims that by putting healthcare in the hands of state governors, well, they would just outright deny healthcare to people. But if you look at the San the Sanders plan that he introduced in 2013, uh, that's not what happens. Now, PolitiFact explains 
why this isn't the case. They state that Sanders' plan requires states to set up the specifics of their healthcare system, though they must meet federal standards for various administrative details. For example, states must identify a single agency to manage the program. If a state does not set up a system or if they refuse to meet the federal standards, the federal government will step in and run that program. So, of course, that's false. It will not be the case like Obamacare that they can just come in and state, you know what, I'm not going to accept this universal health care thing. No, there are federal standards, and if they choose not to abide by those federal standards, the state comes in. So that's a lie right there. Now, when it comes to her third point, she wants health insurance to be more affordable and more available. That's what universal health care does. It is universally available, hence the name universal health care. Let me kind of spell it out there. It's universal. It doesn't matter if you are black, white, small, tall, uh, rich, poor, everyone has access to universal health care. And if that's the case, it is obviously more available. So she's trying to really paint the picture that universal health care is actually going to restrict health care for a lot of people. That couldn't be more false. Now, she talks about how private insurance would be more affordable than Sanders' universal health care plan. Uh, but what she doesn't realize is that that's false. Bernie Sanders' plan would actually save people more money because the cost of private insurance exceeds the cost of whatever tax we would get for universal health care. And even PolitiFact stated that uh, universal health care, Bernie Sanders' plan in particular, would save people upwards of a thousand bucks per year. Now, I already explained why it's cheaper before, so I'll just show you the clip really quick. According to Forbes, the average plan under Obamacare costs each individual about $328 per month. Now, the medium wage per person is $26,695 per year or $2,225 per month. So, Let's kind of put this in perspective. If you earn $2,225 per month, you're going to be paying about $328 per month uh, under Obamacare. Simple math dictates that that's about 14.7% of your income right there. However, she states that Bernie Sanders would need to tax individuals 9%. And, you know, if I'm using my brain correctly and uh, am applying my simple math skills, well, this dictates that... 14.7% is higher than 9%. So by switching to a single-payer system and ending the regressive healthcare system, what happens? You have more money in the pockets of everyday Americans. Now, finally, she talks about how Bernie Sanders hasn't discussed how he's going to pay for his policies. But that's also not true. I talked about that before as well. Now, when you think about how much it costs for our current regressive healthcare system, it costs approximately $33 trillion. That's... That's trillion with a T. So they admitted that Bernie Sanders' plan will cost 18 to 20 trillion. So if we end our old regressive system and we switch over to Bernie Sanders' single payer system, what happens? Well, we're now saving 13 to 15 trillion dollars. So not only are you able to fully fund Bernie Sanders' single payer plan by ending regressive healthcare, but you're actually gonna have a surplus. So this is a very misleading attack. I mean, she knows what she's doing. She's hoping that voters are naive enough to believe her, but that's not the case. 81% of Democratic voters want universal health care. Now, thankfully, PolitiFact got a hold of this and they rated her claim mostly false. Because even though it's the case that what she's saying is technically true, the picture that she's trying to paint is 
false. I mean, it's not the case that people would lose healthcare. Sure, they may lose their private insurance, but you don't need private insurance if you have healthcare. The point is to get people on healthcare, not get them on a fancy insurance plan that's going to uh, benefit your mom's donors, Chelsea. Uh, so this is just ridiculous. I don't know why Hillary is using her daughter to launch this attack on Bernie Sanders. It's not effective. And Hillary Clinton should be ashamed of herself for peddling this type of propaganda. By now, you all know that Hillary Clinton went on a week-long rampage critiquing Bernie Sanders on everything from income inequality, guns, to universal health care. Well, finally, someone in the mainstream media actually decided to call her out on her BS. Take a look. Their campaign said it was, uh, he was the first candidate to go negative in this campaign. Now, I have seen the ad that you're referring to. Honestly, it is not much of an attack. It never says your name. He, uh, it says it's there's there's two Democratic visions for regulating Wall Street, his and one that says I'm going to quote it directly. It's it's OK to take millions from big banks and then tell them what to do. So, yes, that's that's an oblique criticism of you taking Wall Street donations, but it's not like something new. It's not something over the top that means that he's now this personal attacker in the campaign. Recently, your campaign uh, has said he, quote, can't level with the American people, said he has not done what he's promised, says he is shifting answers. Senator Sanders, obviously, you're, is, is your opponent. Nobody expects you guys to walk hand in hand <laughs> and then come to consensus. He doesn't have an enemy in the world in the Democratic Party, and he doesn't have an enemy in the world in his home state. And, you know, people say in Vermont at a Donald Trump rally, I'm considering voting for either Donald Trump or Bernie Sanders. It's because his, his, his appeal is so strong where people know him the best that he's even appealing to the Trump voters up there. I mean, he's a very well-respected figure. Your campaign is essentially fighting with him now in a way that is casting aspersions on his character, calling him dishonest. No, no, I, I, I he can't. Think keep, I, he won't level with the well, American but, people. But let, let, let's, let's parse this out. Um, First of all, I'm very proud to have the support of the present governor of Vermont, two former governors of Vermont, including Howard Dean. I'm very honored to have the support of the other senator, Patrick Leahy. So people who are from that same state have concluded that they want to see me become the Democratic nominee and, in fact, are working really hard to make that happen. So I, I have no... Um, you know, I have, I have nothing but good things to say about Senator Sanders either, personally. And I admire his, you know, incredible advocacy for the positions he holds. But the specific question that was raised here has to do with health care and taxes, because I've been laying out my plans, Rachel. I've been telling you where I'm going to get the money. I've been telling you how much it's going to cost, what I will do. And for months, his campaign has been saying, before the Iowa caucus, we will tell you what we are proposing in taxes and the bulk of what he is advocating for is a single-payer health care system which would probably cost about 15 trillion dollars so the voters have been led to believe that before they go make their decision they'll be able to compare what i want to do to get to universal care which is to defend support and enhance uh, the affordable care act and what Senator Sanders has said he wants to do, which is to basically start all over again, start a contentious debate to try to get to a single-payer system, but he's not telling us what it will look like and what it will cost. So do you disagree with that goal? Do you disagree with single-payer as a good I, idea? Or do you just think it would be too hard to do? No. I agree with universal health care. No matter how you get there. No matter how you get there, but to me... But I'm a little surprised to be having this debate 
and it's really a very general debate when it comes to Senator Sanders about, no, we need to have a single-payer system. Well, what does that mean? Now, the only clue that I can find, because he hasn't laid out a plan, is to go back and look at the bills that he's introduced nine different times. And it, it's, it's a bit concerning to me, because it would basically end all the kinds of health care we know, Medicare, Medicaid, the CHIP program, Children's Health Insurance, TRICARE for the National Guard, military, um, Affordable Care Act, exchange policies, employer-based policies. It would take all that and hand it over to the states. And well, the, he calls it Medicare for all. He's basically but, but, saying we'd, we'd replace the existing system. But Medicare system. for all is not, is not the same if you're turning it over to the states. Now, if he has changed his mind after introducing that bill nine times, he owes it to the public to tell them. If he has changed his mind about having the federal government pay 86% of the cost and having states have to come up with the remaining 14%, when in fact we know Republican governors won't even pay for Medicaid, which they are gonna get initially for nothing, well, that's what we mean. It's a little bit concerning that you know, the devil's in the details when it comes to health care. I am both passionate and somewhat informed about how hard this is. So if you're going to say free health care, you owe it to voters to say, this is what it will cost, and you will have to contribute X from your payroll tax, X from the income tax, and if we're still going to hand it over to the states, the states are going to have to come up with money from somewhere, and you're going to have to kind of figure out how you work with the governor of that state. So that's not Medicare for all. Medicare for all is a very different uh, model. So basically what she tried to do was dodge the question, double down, and then fear monger over Bernie Sanders' healthcare plan. She says, and I quote, Bernie's plan would end all kinds of healthcare we know. So she's literally trying to make it seem as though by getting universal healthcare that would end your healthcare right now. You would no longer receive healthcare. That's absolutely insane. I mean, why do we call it universal healthcare? It's because it's universally applicable. Everyone has it. See, what you want is the private insurance industry to profit. And so that way, if we're sick, they make money. Uh, but the problem with that is that if healthcare isn't a right, then when you get sick, you could potentially die if you don't have treatment. And if you have universal healthcare, nobody dies if they don't have money to pay for their healthcare. But with the private insurance industry handling our healthcare, well, if we don't have money, too bad for you. She also doesn't care about the fact that 81% of Democratic voters support universal health care or a single-payer system. I mean, I mean, it's basically the same exact thing. Now, she also loves to bring up the fact that a single-payer system would cost 15 to $18 trillion, but what she doesn't tell you is that our current regressive healthcare system, where the private insurance industry is running things, well, that costs us $33 trillion. So by ending that, we would therefore have enough to fund universal health care for everybody. So it's just absolutely disingenuous. And Hillary Clinton knows it's disingenuous. These same attacks were launched against her in the 90s when she tried to institute universal health care and when she fiercely advocated for it. But don't take my word for it. Even PolitiFact states that Bernie Sanders' plan would save voters over $1,000 
per year. So obviously, um, not only will everyone have health care, but it's going to save them money. So it's a net good for society. Hillary Clinton doesn't care about health care. What she cares about is greasing the palms of the health insurance industry because they pay her millions of dollars to speak on their behalf. And also, they've paid her almost $900,000 in campaign contributions. That's what you're about, Hillary Clinton, because as soon as they started showing you the cash, you changed your tune. Why is that? It's all about the money. So basically what she's doing is she's playing really dirty here. She's playing politics with the health and safety of American citizens. And that to me is absolutely egregious. That makes you a Republican because that's what they like to do. So you can try to run for the Democratic nomination. But really, you should be playing for the other team, Hillary, because you take so much money from these corrupt organizations that hold our citizens hostage and you're not willing to fess up. You want to lie. You want to be deceitful. Well, that's a Republican tactic. Move on over to the other side. Hillary Clinton has consistently maintained a strong national lead thus far in the presidential race. However, as of late, Bernie Sanders is definitely catching up to her very quickly. In fact, Bernie Sanders is closing the gap so fast that Hillary's national lead is now slipping faster than it did in 2008. So you see from this image on the screen that with about 20 days until Iowa, her national lead is beginning to fall off a cliff. Now in 2008, she went into Iowa with a significant national lead over Obama and Edwards, yet that didn't help her very much as she finished in third place. So now looking at you know 2008 and 2016 we can see that bernie sanders has a really great shot of winning iowa now when it comes to new hampshire she's actually doing much worse than she did in 2008 so her lead fell off a cliff in new hampshire in 2008 but she ended up winning that state after all though so i mean even though she's doing worse this time than she did in 2008 she could still pull off a last minute mobilization campaign and still pull it off so i mean we can't discount her yet but it's nice to know that bernie sanders is performing better than obama did in 2008 um so now when it comes to iowa she's actually doing a bit better than she did in 2008 she's maintained a pretty consistent lead in iowa but now polls are starting to show that actually her and bernie are neck and neck and some polls are showing that bernie sanders is of is ahead of her i believe by five points so the takeaway is that she's not inevitable i mean bernie is still outperforming obama in 2008 uh, and there isn't even a third candidate so i mean i think that he has a really great shot of winning now the thing is that we don't want to get too comfortable right i mean the more that bernie sanders rises in the polls the harder we have to work because we know that the more that bernie sanders rises in the polls the clinton campaign's watching and they're going to work that much harder too so we need to double our work and work even twice as hard we've got to donate we've got a phone bank for bernie we've got to talk to people and actually get them to change their minds if you're in iowa and new hampshire you gotta knock on some doors if you really want him to win because this is a grassroots campaign the establishment is against us so we've got to pull out all the stops necessary uh but overall i wanted to share this with you because i mean this inevitability myth is finally starting to disappear because it's always been a myth i always knew it was a myth my viewers knew it was always a myth and it's just so disingenuous to say that clinton was inevitable because we know that a ton of things can happen we knew that bernie sanders had the grassroots support now we see he has the support of more women than hillary clinton in new hampshire he has the millennials on lock i mean people under 35 overwhelmingly support bernie sanders instead of hillary clinton so she's not inevitable but the race isn't over so bernie sanders supporters we got to ramp it up even more now a journalist named Lachlan Marquet attempted to smear Bernie Sanders in what's probably the most laughable hit piece I have ever seen. So in an article titled, Sanders and Wife Steered Campaign Nonprofit Money to Family and Friends, well, you'd first be taken aback a bit, right? Because, I mean, this 
indicates by the title that there's a clear case of corruption. So, I mean, you want to think, uh-oh, what did you do, Bernie Sanders? Well, let's go ahead and get to that. So, Marquet writes, Bernie Sanders and his wife have on numerous occasions steered money from organizations under their control to friends and family members. Public records show the payments benefiting the wife of the Democratic presidential candidate, his stepdaughter, and the son of a former colleague in city government whom Sanders has described as a close friend. This sounds bad, but Marquet continues. Sanders, a self-described socialist, is now running for the presidency on an anti-corruption platform decrying public officials' attempts to use their positions for personal financial gain. His political campaigns were an early vehicle for payments to his family members. Okay, so this is a serious charge here, guys. So what he's saying is that Bernie Sanders is effectively embezzling campaign contributions. So let's get to the specifics here, because this is really serious. So according to Jane O'Mara Sanders, the senator's wife, Sanders' house campaigns paid her more than $90,000 for consulting and ad placement services from 2002 to 2004, she pocketed about $30,000 of that money. Her daughter, Karina Driscoll, Sanders' stepdaughter, also drew a salary from the campaign. She was paid more than $65,000 between 2000 and 2004, according to her mother. Wow, okay, so we need to revisit this here, because when we revisit this, it's going to be a bit more clear. So she was given, uh, this is uh, Omera Sanders, she was given $90,000 for consulting and ad placement between 2002 and 2004, and she pocketed $30,000. So in other words, she was paid a salary for her ad placement and consultative services. But when you break this down between 2002 and 2004, uh, she pocketed $30,000. That equals out to about $10,000 per year for her services. That's less than minimum wage. They were going to pocket or embezzle money. I think they would probably embezzle more than a minimum wage salary or less than a minimum wage salary, but let's continue. So when it comes to Sanders' stepdaughter, she was paid $65,000 over a five-year period. Um, that's about $13,000 per year. So that almost equals minimum wage if you're working part-time. But $13,000 a year for her services. Um, I'm not sure if you know this, Marquet, but people work on campaigns all the time. And sometimes the family and friends of candidates work on the campaigns themselves. They have to quit their job. They have to dedicate their life to it. Uh, so... They have to get paid for their labor. I mean, I think that's reasonable. Uh, now, you could probably make the case that there's an ethical violation. If, let's say, Bernie Sanders was paying his wife like $200,000 a year, paying his stepdaughter like $100,000 a year, but they're getting less than minimum wage. Where's the outrage? I don't see where it's coming from. In fact, if there's any outrage, I'm outraged at the fact that Bernie Sanders didn't even pay his own family members a living wage. What's up, Bernie? <laughs> So, I mean, really, I mean, we have a whole hit piece based on the fact that his wife and stepdaughter worked for him and were paid for working on the campaign, paid less than minimum wage. Is this not the most laughable, pathetic attempt at a hit piece you've ever seen? I mean, what is this? Is this the Twilight Zone? Is this real life? This was actually published on Washington Free Beacon Press and Gawker picked up the article. 
<laughs> they read this, they didn't think, hmm, let me separate that out and, you know, try to do the math to see how much that is yearly. Now, you know this is a ridiculous attack, otherwise Marquet wouldn't have bundled the total money that they've made all together, because if you just say, they made about five bucks per hour over the course of five years, that doesn't sound, you know, very, very bad. But when you say, oh, she pocketed $30,000, what you're really trying to say is she earned $30,000 over a three-year period. That's less than minimum wage. But that doesn't sound like corruption, does it? It just sounds reasonable. Actually, it's unreasonable, but in the other direction because that's not enough money for all the services that she provided. But again, let's, let's get back to this. So there's an even more embarrassing part that they bring up. So there's a guy named Jonathan Leopold who was a board member for the college Sanders' wife once worked for, and he's a friend to the Sanders family. In fact, Bernie Sanders even referred to him as basically a family member. Well, it turns out that this guy was corrupt and was basically benefiting off of the university's money. Now, that's problematic. But what does that have to do with Bernie Sanders? You even stated before here, uh, let me find it. So you said that the son of a former colleague, so this isn't even an actual former colleague of Bernie Sanders who did the corruption. This is the son who did the corruption of a former friend of Bernie Sanders. So, I mean, how far are you going to go? I mean, how many layers of separation does there have to be for it not to be considered corruption? I mean, if Bernie Sanders is third cousin's wife's friend, uh, baby did something. I mean, does that still link to Bernie Sanders somehow? I mean, this is just ridiculous. Like, it's blowing my mind. And it's just so crazy. This is the biggest fail ever because many, many, many campaigns actually do this. I mean, if you have, especially your wife, I mean, if your wife is working for you, you want to pay your wife, right? Because she's going to have to quit her job. Or if, you, if you're a female politician and your husband has to quit his job to campaign for you, well, of course you want to supplement that income by actually putting them to work. And they worked for multiple years, didn't make very much money. This is just insane. Um, so yeah, I am a little bit angry about this, but it's just, I'm a little bit disappointed that they didn't make more money for all of their services that they provided. But shame on this writer here for just trying to reach and trying to uh, make it seem as though there's a case of corruption when that's obviously the case. I mean, you don't even have to do research. You just have to read the article and you can see, oh yeah, minimum wage. I mean, it was one read through and I came to that conclusion because it's common sense. And the way, the language that uh, you use to state she pocketed $30,000, that's technically true, because if you're getting paid a salary, you're pocketing the money, but it's misleading, and we know what you're trying to do. So this is just absolutely ridiculous. Biggest fail ever. Worst hit piece in the history of hit pieces. So as you all know, Bernie Sanders' numbers has taken a turn for the better. But with that being said, uh, I want to stress the importance of us ramping up. I mean, we've ramped up before to actually get him to where he is today, but now we've actually got to not just double our efforts. We've got to quadruple our efforts. And this is because whenever the Clinton campaign sees that Bernie Sanders is doing well in a new poll, they ramp it up. They double their efforts. So not only do we have to double our efforts, we have to quadruple our efforts and not just meet uh, the Clinton effort, but actually exceed it and do that much more. She didn't have that strong of a lead in New Hampshire. And even though Bernie or and even though Barack Obama, excuse me, pulled off a win in Iowa, she turned out in New Hampshire. I mean, she mobilized a lot of voters and she ended up winning. So it's not over until it's over. We may be leading, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we are going to win. So we've got to do everything we can. Look, I think that he probably will win Iowa and New Hampshire, um, but it's not for sure. It's not over until it's over. So we've really, really, really got to 
ramp it up because Hillary Clinton sees every single one of these polls and she is doing everything she can. She's going to try to pull off a last minute campaign. I mean, you've got to expect the worst. So we've got to be prepared for that. So here's what we need to do. We need to go to BernieSanders.com and donate to his campaign. We've got to go to BernieSanders.com and sign up to PhoneBank. I'll put a link in the description box so that way you can do that. Furthermore, we have got to talk to people. If you're in Iowa, if you're in New Hampshire, if you're in South Carolina, you've got to knock on some doors and you've actually got to have some conversations with people because this is a grassroots campaign. We can't just become complacent. Sure, it's great. We can be optimistic and actually um, look back and be proud of the work that we put in. But just know that as his numbers rise, we've got to work that much harder. We don't slow down at all. And if anything, we speed up. So if the next poll comes out and Bernie Sanders is five points further than Hillary Clinton than he was last time, that means we got to ramp it up even harder. Because the more that Bernie Sanders rises, the more difficult it's going to get, the more pressure that we will uh, have on us. So we can't stop. We're not sleeping until this thing is over, until he is officially the nominee. So that's kind of my message. Don't become complacent. Go crazy on it, phone bank like crazy, donate, uh, talk to everyone you know. If you can convince one person to vote for Bernie Sanders instead of Hillary Clinton, you're already making a difference. Now, I take it that a lot of his supporters have already done that and are making a difference. So kudos to you guys, but let's keep it up and not just maintain the same pace. We go 100 times faster now. Last week, Bernie Sanders released his comprehensive Wall Street reform plan, and now this week, we're learning that 170 of the country's most well-respected financial analysts and top economists penned a letter actually endorsing his plan, so I'll go ahead and read that to you. They state, in our view, Senator Bernie Sanders' plan for comprehensive financial reform is critical for avoiding a, another too-big-to-fail financial crisis. The senator is correct that the biggest banks must be broken up and that a new 21st century Glass-Steagall Act separating investment from commercial banking must be enacted. Wall Street's largest banks are now far bigger than they were before the crisis, and they still have every incentive to take excessive risks. No major Wall Street executive has been indicted for the fraudulent behavior that led up to the 2008 crash, and fines imposed on the banks have been only a fraction of the bank's potential gains. In addition, the banks and their lobbyists have succeeded in watering down the Dodd-Frank reform legislation and the financial institutions that pose the greatest risk to our economy have still not devised sufficient living wills for winding down their operations in the event of another crisis. Secretary Hillary Clinton's more modest proposals did not go far enough. They call for a bit more oversight and a few new charges on shadow banking activity, but they leave intact the titanic financial conglomerates that practice most shadow banking. As a result, her plan does not adequately reduce the serious risks our financial system poses to the American economy and to individual Americans. Given the size and political power of Wall Street, her proposals would only invite more dilution and finagle. The only way to contain Wall Street's excesses is with reforms sufficiently bold and public they can't be watered down. That's why we support Senator Sanders' plans for busting up the biggest banks and resurrecting a modernized version of Glass-Steagall. So there you have it. I mean, not only is their endorsement of Bernie Sanders' plan unequivocal, but they actually decided to explain why Hillary Clinton's plan is not going to be effective because it would just lead to more dilution, just kind of like Dodd-Frank. I mean, that was supposed to be strong reform to reign in Wall Street, and it was just watered down, and the end result was basically not very sufficient. So the fact that we have 170 of the country's most respected economists come together and write this letter explaining in great detail why Bernie Sanders' plan is the best, well, I mean, this should 
silence Hillary Clinton, right? I mean, she can no longer say that her reform is better because she likes to critique Bernie Sanders on the shadow banking thing and say that he won't go far enough. But by breaking up the big banks who actually practice shadow banking more frequently, well, then you're effectively going to solve that problem. So Hillary Clinton is not the candidate to actually give us effective Wall Street reform. And we know that this is because she's taking large donations from Wall Street. She's given speeches at Goldman Sachs. She's made millions of dollars from her speeches, uh, more than we'll make in our own our lifetime. So, I mean, we know she's not the candidate to break them up. So I like that this happened. Um, this is a really great glowing endorsement for Bernie Sanders. For the first time ever, Planned Parenthood decided to endorse a presidential candidate during the primary season. Now, this did not pan out too well for them, as I'm going to show you here in a minute, because their supporters were very vocal that they were displeased with their endorsement of Hillary Clinton. Yes, that's right. Planned Parenthood endorsed Hillary Clinton. Not too surprising, uh, but I'll tell you why they did this, and also we'll kind of get to the consequences and why they're trying to do some damage control now. So first and foremost, there's a couple reasons why this organization would endorse Hillary Clinton over Bernie Sanders. Now, it doesn't matter that Bernie Sanders has actually a better voting record on women's issues uh, when it comes to low-income women's issues than Hillary Clinton. Uh, Hillary Clinton is a woman, so that's one reason, that's one benefit. I cannot imagine anyone being more of an outsider than the first woman president. Cecile Richards, the actual president of Planned Parenthood, has an arguable conflict of interest. I mean, her daughter, Lily Adams, is the communications director for Hillary's campaign in Iowa. So, I mean... <laughs> It's a little bit close. I mean, it's not Cecile herself, but again, you know, it's a little bit questionable. Now, second of all, uh, Bernie Sanders' universal health care plan actually existentially threatens Planned Parenthood. So let me tell you why that is. So Planned Parenthood provides medical services to low-income women. Now, the reason why Planned Parenthood is so vital is because a lot of women in low-income areas and who are socioeconomically disadvantaged, they don't have money to see a typical healthcare provider, but they can go to Planned Parenthood and get services for really affordable, really cheap quality services. But if all women have access to universal healthcare, well, they may not need Planned Parenthood after all. So what would Planned Parenthood become? I mean, they would kind of devolve into a de facto abortion organization. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing because we still need women to have access to affordable and legal abortions. But the problem is that if Planned Parenthood just becomes an abortion-only clinic, well, they'd lose money because they wouldn't be... Um, offering other services as much to women and most of all most importantly well they would probably lose favor among the public so individuals who are in favor of the other services of Planned Parenthood but are against abortion well they would kind of turn against Planned Parenthood uh, but the problem is that I don't think that's actually a legitimate argument to not have universal health care uh, because people already view Planned Parenthood as an abortion-on-demand outlet. I mean, that's that's all they think it is. They don't care about the fact that only 3% of Planned Parenthood services is actually abortions and that they provide a whole slew of other services to low-income women. They don't care about that. But Planned Parenthood is worried that, you know, if they just become this abortion-only clinic, it's going to look really bad for them, and they don't want that. So they're trying to save face. They're trying to survive, basically. And this endorsement would help with that because they don't really want... Universal healthcare. I mean, they may be philosophically in favor of it, but when it comes to their business, um, you know, it's, it's not going to be great for them. So to me, it's just sad to see an organization who is about providing healthcare services to low income people be seemingly against universal healthcare. I mean, look, I'm just speculating here, but I mean, it seems as though this is the case because 
obviously universal health care would actually threaten the existence of Planned Parenthood. So overall, this endorsement may not turn out too well for them. Now, many of their supporters have left comments on their Facebook page stating that while they still stand with Planned Parenthood, they're really, really disappointed in this decision. Now, it seems near unanimous when you go on their page. You can see a couple of Hillary supporters here and there, but I mean, overwhelmingly, they wanted them to endorse Bernie Sanders. So this endorsement now, besides the outrage, it may actually cost them money because some of their supporters are stating that they will now be canceling their monthly donations to Planned Parenthood and will be funneling them to Bernie Sanders' campaign instead. So that is what they don't want to hear. They are all about survival and they need that cash to survive. So now they're trying to kind of walk back their endorsements of Bernie or, or of Hillary Clinton, and they're trying to show you why they chose Hillary Clinton. So you see a couple of posts here um, of a video stating why Hillary Clinton is the best candidate for healthcare and women's rights. Uh, but the comment here uh, with a thousand likes states, I wish you would stop lying about there being no other candidate standing up for women's rights. Sanders supports all women, not just rich white women. Oh my god, I mean, that's just devastating. <laughs> and that's the top comment you see. Uh, now, furthermore, another one that they posted here. How do Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders compare on women's health? And the first comment, okay, just stop. You're not going to convince anyone who is not already convinced, and you're only annoying the Bernie supporters. Please, Planned Parenthood Action, just go back to informing us about what Planned Parenthood does for the communities they serve. I support Planned Parenthood. Now, I think that this echoes the sentiment of all of us, right? Because we all support Planned Parenthood. We all know that their services are vital, but I mean, this just, this was not a good look for them. Now, let me get to some of the comments that people left on their page, because uh, I thought that it was uh, very telling. So... We have here from Amanda, Hillary, the borderline Republican who flip-flops her viewpoints to fit whatever uh, will get her more votes, not Bernie, someone not bought and paid for by Wall Street and a huge supporter of women's rights, disappointing. I agree. So Alicia here states, I love and stand with Planned Parenthood, but this is not one of your choices I can support. I would love to see a woman in the Oval Office, but Clinton is not my choice. Hashtag feel the burn. Agree 100%. I mean, I really, um, I thought it was therapeutic to read through these because they, they stated the exact sentiments that I uh, was feeling. So these comments really resonated with me. Um, Ash states, bullshit. She's a bought and paid for turncoat. If you want a real champion, stand behind the person that has fought for our rights for 40 plus years. Bernie Sanders. Another comment here from Kathy. As a regular donor for the past 20 plus years, I'm extremely disappointed in Planned Parenthood's decision to endorse a candidate before the primary elections. This is not the kind of action that I expect to support with my donations. If there were only one candidate who would be strong advocate for women's rights, I would understand this decision. But since any of the three Democratic candidates would be a very strong ally of Planned Parenthood, I can only see this action as being needlessly political. And that may be the case just because, as I stated, there is a arguable conflict of interest. Now, um, from Catherine, it appears that the bulk of the Planned Parenthood supporters back Bernie Sanders. Perhaps Planned Parenthood should reconsider their stance. I actually agree with this. Paris states, very disappointed in this decision. Bernie Sanders, 2016. Kelsey states, are you serious? Just because she's a woman doesn't mean you have to endorse her. Bernie Sanders is so much better and he fights for the lower income women who need Planned Parenthood the most. Cassidy states, I will always stand with Planned Parenthood, but I won't be voting with them. Hashtag Bernie 2016. 
And yeah, that's that's um, that's some some of them that I saw. I mean, you can go to the Planned Parenthood page and see for yourself. There's there's so much. There's a swarm of comments from angry Planned Parenthood supporters. And these aren't just he-man woman haters. These are women who are leaving the comments. These are actual donors of Planned Parenthood. Uh, and I am a donor of Planned Parenthood, so I kind of have a say here too. I'm very disappointed in this decision. I've donated to them in the past. I'm not a monthly donor, but... I have supported them because I think they're a phenomenal organization. So overall, I'll always stand with Planned Parenthood, but this decision was just absolutely terrible. Uh, and because of it, I think Planned Parenthood is really feeling the burn and regretting it right now. The head of the DNC, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, otherwise known as Debbie Do Anything for Hillary, has made her stance on recreational marijuana clear. She states, I don't oppose the use of medical marijuana. I just don't think we should legalize more mind-altering substances if we want to make it less likely that people will travel down the path toward using drugs. We've had a resurgence of drug use instead of a decline. There's a huge heroin epidemic. Now note that she's making a Republican argument. See, she's taking a drug such as marijuana and she's comparing it to heroin, a drug that actually is addictive or potentially destructive. But if you are against the legalization of marijuana, it's a perfectly legitimate uh, position to hold. That is, if you're actually consistent of your application of this stance. Uh, so I take it that she's also against alcohol, another mind-altering drug, right? Well, attention explains that at the same time that Schultz sounds the alarm about drug culture in the U.S., the Florida representative has received a large pool of money, at least 18500 during the current cycle, from alcohol packs for her re-election campaign. Oh, okay, so this totally makes sense now. So you actually like mind-altering drugs if... They help you get elected, huh? Okay, okay, I see what this is. Complete hypocrisy. Now, in fact, when you look at her campaign contributions, uh, Big Liquor is one of her top five campaign contributors. She's accepted thousands from the beer, wine, and liquor industry to fund her re-election campaign from packs such as Bacardi USA, the National Beer Wholesalers Association, Southern Wine and Spirits, and the Wine and Spirits Wholesalers of America. But don't worry, because she knows she's actually going against the party, but she doesn't mind because her personal experience both as a mom and as someone who grew up really bothered by the drug culture that surrounded my childhood, not mine personally. I grew up in suburbia. <laughs> okay, so as a child, you were bothered by drug culture. Was a child, I was really worried about this, so now I really don't like it, so I want to ban it as an adult. Okay, then don't do it if you don't like it, but you're being a hypocrite. You say you're against marijuana because it's a mind-altering drug, but yet you're in favor of alcohol. Come on, give me a break. But what is this really about? You see, the reason why she's against it is because big liquor sees legal weed as a threat. They don't want alcohol sales to go down and weed sales to go up. So what she's doing is she's protecting her donors. We've seen this time and again in Congress. Anyone who donates to a candidate or someone in Congress, well, suddenly they're going to be more sympathetic to the position of their donors and the business interests of their donors. Now, this is just my speculation, but I mean, come on. The proof's in the pudding. This is a clear case of hypocrisy. Uh, and we know that she's just, you know, conforming to their interests. And this is because Debbie Wasserman Schultz is a corporatist Democrat, just like Obama, just like Hillary. So I'm not surprised that she would take on this type of a stance. Now, with that being said, DNC chair, not the right place for you. You need to step down. We don't want you there. You don't represent the party very well. You don't represent voters. It's time for you to step down and recuse yourself from this position, especially because you have a conflict of interest with Hillary Clinton since you ran her 2008 campaign. But, I mean, this just gives us one more reason to dislike you. 
The sixth GOP debate took place yesterday, and I wanted to give you guys a quick rundown about who I think both won and lost. Uh, overall, however, I don't really think that uh, the candidates did much to differentiate themselves this time, and I thought that two and a half hours was just too much, because at this point we're not really learning anything new about the candidates. They're regurgitating the same arguments over and over and over again. I mean, at least with the last GOP debate, we got to hear the differences between the imperialist candidates and the non-interventionist candidates, but this time, I mean, it's just the same exact thing over and over again. All of them said basically the same thing. Uh, they fear-mongered about ISIS and Iran, and uh, they want you to be afraid. All of them want to rebuild our pathetic, fractured military, which it's not pathetic. <laughs> But nonetheless, they think it's weak, uh, which is an insult, I think, to the troops. Uh, so they want to rebuild our weak military. They want to attack ISIS, give tax breaks to the rich. Um, and they all want to face off against Hillary Clinton. And they all hate Hillary Clinton. I mean, Jesus Christ, it's the same thing over and over again. So, I mean, two and a half hours of this was really insufferable for me. But I nonetheless had to watch it because I wanted to give my breakdown. So additionally, another reason why this was such a bad debate is because the moderator was horrible. I mean, she literally just made things up. And I think that after this, she should be permanently discredited as a journalist because, I mean, it was just terrible. So for example, she made up a lie about Bernie Sanders and stated that he wants to tax people at 90%. Really? 90%? He hasn't even proposed a 90% marginal tax rate. So to just brazenly throw out 90%, that's incredibly, actually, that's not even incredibly misleading. That's just an outright lie. Now, she also referred to Social Security as an entitlement program. It's not an entitlement program. We pay into that. That's our money, okay? So do you consider you getting your money back an entitlement? I don't. So if somebody borrows money from me and then they pay me back, I don't look at that as an entitlement. It's my money coming back to me. So to see this much lunacy come from the moderator, I mean... You just know the whole thing's gonna be a train wreck, and of course that's what it proved to be. So when it comes to the winners and losers, though, nonetheless, I think that the winner absolutely was Donald Trump this time. Uh, I think probably Marco Rubio came in a close second. Uh, Ted Cruz, maybe in third. He's kind of more in the middle. Uh, but when it comes to the biggest loser, hands down, once again, it was Ben Carson. I mean, I forgot he was there most of the time. He didn't even show up to the debate. I don't know what he's doing there. He is perhaps the worst debater of all time. He... He doesn't make his presence known and he's not doing enough to kind of stand out. So let me kind of go through briefly how I think each of the candidates did. So when it comes to Donald Trump, uh, I thought that he was more energetic than usual. I thought that he did a great job um, kind of playing up the fact that he's an anti-establishment candidate, talking about how, you know, we have these political hacks. They do these negotiations on our behalf and they just do a terrible job. Uh, yes, I'm angry. My base is angry, but we have a reason to be angry because the system is broken. I mean, he did a phenomenal job at really playing up his strengths. Now, I also think that he owned Ted Cruz when it comes to the issue of his eligibility. And also he was being kind of condescending, but I think it worked for him where he kind of patted Ted Cruz on the back when he said, well, I could have chosen you as a vice presidential pick, because we all know that Ted Cruz hasn't really attacked Donald Trump because he's trying to leave open that possibility that he could potentially be the VP for Donald Trump. Uh, but <laughs> I don't know now after this. And also, I thought that it was weird how Cruz tried to defend himself in the midst of this attack. Like, it was great to say, look, John McCain was born abroad, and, you know, there were no questions about his eligibility. Uh, but... It was odd that he brought up the fact that Donald Trump's mom was born abroad. That has nothing to do with Donald Trump. Donald Trump was born in the United States. So I thought that Donald Trump just kind of slapped him down with the backhand because that was just stupid to bring that up. I mean, I don't know what he thought 
would be the outcome of that. He wasn't getting Donald Trump. I mean, sure, his mom may have been born abroad, but what matters is that Trump is a natural born citizen. Uh, so terrible attack right there. Uh, no, but back to Trump, um, I really thought that he did a lot of things right. He actually said some things that were reasonable. So he stated that we're actually losing manufacturing jobs to China and mentioned that we actually have a very large trade deficit. And he's correct right there. We actually do. So I'm glad that he's mentioning these things that nobody talks about. Um, now, he was absolutely wrong on a number of issues. When it came to Syrian refugees, he stated that most of them are men. That's absolutely false. Uh, I don't know where he gets his data from. I don't think he actually gets this data from anywhere. I think he just kind of pulls it out of his butt. Uh, but that was absolutely a lie. Now, when it comes to Marco Rubio, I thought that he was also more fired up and energetic because I think that this, to him, was his kind of last-ditch effort to really energize his supporters and get them to show up, you know, in Iowa and New Hampshire and whatnot. Um, and I think he did a relatively good job at that. However, the problem with Marco Rubio is that he's always so hyperbolic. So he, said, he stated that uh, Obama would take away every gun and repeal the Second Amendment if he could. I mean... You don't have evidence for that because he wants gun control. That doesn't mean that he wants to take away your guns. It's just ridiculous. Um, he also said that Obamacare is a certified job killer. Also not true. We've had, how I don't know how many months now of straight job growth in the private sector, mind you. So that's a lie. He also said that Obama gutted the military. I mean, these are things that are just so outrageous. They're so hyperbolic that you really can't take Marco Rubio serious. But he says it with a straight face. So... You just, you can't help but kind of hate the guy because of his demeanor. But what he got right, I think, was uh, immigration. I mean, he crippled Ted Cruz on immigration and actually got Ted Cruz to concede. Ted Cruz literally said he made about 11 attacks there, so I want to respond because about half of them are untrue. <laughs> so he's still got six attacks on you that are absolutely correct, right? So I thought that was devastating for Ted Cruz right there. Um, but yeah, w kudos to Marco Rubio right there. But everywhere else, I thought that he looked too smarmy, too fake, too politician. He, the whole thing was just disingenuous, but I, I knew what to expect from Marco Rubio, so I'm not surprised. Now, when it comes to Ted Cruz, he had his moments to shine, but I mean, there were just some really embarrassing moments for him. So he was really deceitful, for one. He stated that Obama's going to be giving the Ayatollah of Iran, $100 million. Okay, he's not giving them money. He's lifting the sanctions. And through that, they could indirectly get $100 million because now they can, you know, um, participate in the global economy again when it comes to the U.S. and our European allies and whatnot. So it's just it's so misleading. Now, furthermore, he also did a terrible job at downplaying his corruption. I mean, he took contributions uh, that he did not report and he did not do a good job at defending himself. So... I don't necessarily think he's going to come out on top of that one either. He also said that Obama looks <laughs> Obama looks like an apologist for radical Islamic terrorism. But Ted Cruz, if you call him an Islamic apologist or an apologist for radical Islamic terrorism, he's the worst apologist ever because he's currently bombing them every single day and killing lots and lots of them. So to say that he's an apologist, you're crazy. So when it comes to Kasich, Christie and Bush. I'm going to lump all these guys together because they did nothing to really stand out. I mean, they didn't hurt themselves by participating in this debate, but they did nothing to improve their standing. So George or Jeb Bush, probably a second best performance. Not enough. Chris Christie. I mean, this guy needs to look at public opinion polls because he constantly touts his anti-marijuana record. And he said that he would enforce the federal law and basically lock people up for smoking weed, but that's incredibly unpopular. And Chris Christie, do you not realize that 
a majority of millennial Republican voters are actually in favor of legalizing recreational marijuana. I mean, why would you say something that stupid and alienate a really fundamentally important part of your base? I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. This guy is insane. Now, when it comes to Kasich, he is probably second to last in my mind in terms of just being such a loser this time. And the reason why I say that is because the policies that he endorses are just insane. So he constantly talked about how great fracking is, but I think he'd probably change his mind if they did fracking in his town and poisoned his water. So John Kasich, I think you'd be a hypocrite on that issue if it actually directly impacted you. But you don't care because it's the plebeians that get impacted by fracking and they're the ones who have to drink the dirty poisoned water, not you. So I think that that's absolutely disgusting and it's a despicable policy position to have. Now furthermore, he laughed off the idea that Bernie Sanders would become the Democratic nominee and said that if he is the Democratic nominee, Republicans would win in a landslide. They'd take all 50 states. I absolutely love this. I'm not even mad. I want you guys to keep thinking that because... If Bernie Sanders becomes the nominee, and every day it looks more and more like that's going to be the case, you guys aren't going to know what's going to hit you. I mean, you're, you're not going to see him coming. You're going to be so crippled by a random Bernie Sanders uh, nomination that you're not going to know how to respond to it. So please continue. Now, furthermore, I like how you're completely deluded because he kicks your guys' asses in hypothetical matchups, but let's not talk about that, right? Let's not look at polls. Let's just throw out these policies that we have no idea who likes it or and who doesn't like it. Typical Republican uh, move. Now, when it comes to Ben Carson, he was just a non-entity. I don't have to say anything about him. But I do want to mention the fact that he took fear-mongering to a whole new level. I mean, he literally came up with a hypothetical. Imagine if we have a dirty bomb and this bomb all go off at once. Well, that would be really scary. Yes, we get it. You want us to be afraid. You want us to vote Republican because you guys want to bomb everyone and every single country in the world. Uh, but it's just not working. I mean, you're now literally making up hypothetical situations to scare us because you feel as though, what, ISIS and Iran isn't enough? I mean, this guy is ridiculous. The whole party is ridiculous. The whole debate was a train wreck. So, But overall, I don't think anybody was able to stump Trump, and I think that he's going to go in to Iowa and New Hampshire with the odds in his favor and this debate, which kind of was their last chance to maybe flip it in their favor, not going to happen. But also, Trump is the winner just based on his performance as well. So that's my thoughts. Let me know what you guys think, who you thought won. Uh, I definitely think it was Trump, uh, but tell me your opinion down below in the comment section. Well, that's all I got for you guys. I want to thank all of my subscribers for tuning in, and I want to welcome all of my newest subscribers to the channel. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. I'll see you next week. The fourth Democratic debate is now finished, and I have been live-tweeting it all evening, and let me just tell you, this was the most exciting debate yet, and I think that the results were absolutely conclusive. So in my opinion, the biggest winner by far, by a mile, by a landslide, I mean, it's overwhelming, the winner is definitely Bernie Sanders. I mean, he took this entire debate by storm, even at the end of it, uh, Chuck Todd conceded to the fact that this debate can basically be summarized as the Bernie Sanders debate, and I couldn't agree more. Now, when it comes to the biggest loser of the debate, I think it's going to be a tie between uh, Hillary Clinton and Martin O'Malley. I think that Hillary Clinton loses a bit more than Martin O'Malley because Martin O'Malley really had a bright moment when he kind of called out Hillary Clinton for not really having true Wall Street reform. Uh, but the reason why I'm kind of putting him, him ahead of her is also because she had the most to lose. 
and man, I mean, this was the biggest fumble for her. So before I get to the specifics on how I think each candidate performed, I'm going to go ahead and give you my general opinion about the debate. Now, first and foremost, let me just tell you how insane it is to hold a debate on the day of a major football game. This was done on purpose by the DNC chair, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, because they really wanted to hide this debate away from the public so that way Hillary Clinton could not have any damage done to her. And as we saw during this debate, there was a lot of damage done to Hillary Clinton tonight. So this was deliberate. Now, second of all, the hosts of the Democratic debate, NBC News, uh, Andrea Mitchell and whatnot, absolutely abysmal. I mean, this was the Democratic equivalent of the CNBC debate on the Republican side. I mean, this was just so bad. Now, first and foremost, I think that if Andrea Mitchell's career in journalism wasn't over after the time when she interrupted a congresswoman in order to break for Justin Bieber news, I think that it should be over after today because her bias was absolutely overwhelming. It was explicit. She didn't even try to hide it. The way that she acted was as if she wanted to actually debate with Bernie Sanders. Now, now, there's a reason why she is against Bernie Sanders. So Andrea Mitchell is part of the Democratic establishment. She works for MSNBC. And furthermore, her husband is Alan Greenspan. If you don't know who that is, he's someone who was the head of the Federal Reserve. And Bernie Sanders reamed him. It's a viral video online. You can look it up. Well, Bernie reamed him because he was in favor of the rich and not the poor. So, you know, there's some bad blood there between Andrea Mitchell and Bernie Sanders. But overall, they really wanted to ask him the tough questions. Now, one thing I also noticed was that whenever Hillary Clinton started to fall they would kind of switch questions immediately. I don't know if that's just me being conspiratorial. I don't know if I should put away my tinfoil hat, but that's just something I noticed. I mean, don't look into it if you don't think it's necessary, but that's just my opinion. That's what that's what I saw. That's why I observed. Now, also, Bernie Sanders was the most searched Democratic candidate in all 50 states during this debate. So you know that Bernie Sanders is not just taking this debate by storm, but he's taking the entire country by storm, and everyone everywhere is beginning to feel the burn. I mean, he pulled it out when it came to healthcare, racial justice reform. He defended himself well when it comes to guns. He destroyed it on Wall Street. He linked everything back to our corrupt campaign finance system. I mean, Bernie Sanders was fired up all night. He just did such a phenomenal job. He looked so good on every sim single topic. I don't think there's a single area where Hillary Clinton was able to actually dominate the conversation. It was all about Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders pulled it off. I thought that he looked phenomenal on guns. He defended his position very well. And I thought that he really did a good job at backing up his reasoning as to why he voted against the Brady Bill. I actually agree more with Bernie Sanders than Hillary Clinton when it comes to gun reform. But we all know that Bernie Sanders is the more legitimate candidate because in 2008, Hillary Clinton ran to the right of Obama on, on guns. And uh, Obama famously remarked that she sounded like Annie Arbor. Uh, but this time she's running to the left of Bernie Sanders. So what is it, Hillary Clinton? Are you pro-gun or are you anti-gun? So I don't think she has a leg to stand on. And I think uh, that Bernie Sanders did a phenomenal job at defending himself. Now, um, I like the fact that Bernie Sanders pointed out that he is polling very well because the biased moderators wanted to point out the fact that, well, how are you supposed to win if you don't have any support from African-Americans? What they don't mention is that Bernie Sanders went from virtually having no support to one-third support of African-Americans in the span of a couple of months. So they're really trying to paint this dismal picture for Bernie Sanders, but he was correct to bring up the fact that he actually performs way better than Hillary Clinton in hypothetical matchups. So for example, he states, I beat Trump by 19 points. 
That's absolutely true. So I'm glad that Bernie Sanders is finally trying to publicly destroy the inevitability myth. It's been persistent for too long. Hillary is not inevitable and she's not the better candidate. I thought he did great on racial justice. I think he absolutely destroyed it when it comes to uh, universal health care. Hillary Clinton has been attacking him on this for weeks and he wiped the floor with her. I mean, it was not pretty. This looked bad for Hillary Clinton. And Bernie Sanders is really, really going to win over the American people with this. I mean, what he spoke about was logical. It was clear. It was easily digestible. I mean, everything that he did, everything he said was perfect. I couldn't have articulated it better myself. So I think that Bernie Sanders has once and for all silenced Hillary Clinton on healthcare. Now, he might not actually silence her literally. She's still going to critique him on it. But I mean, I don't think it's going to matter much because what he said, <laughs> bravo. I mean, it was just perfect. Um, now, I like that he linked these issues, such as uh, healthcare reform, to uh, our corrupt campaign finance system. So he says, Congress is owned by big money and refuses to do what the American people want them to do. And he also took a jab at super PACs. I mean, this is all great. This is all what we want to hear. Now, I also liked how he talked about he doesn't take money from the big banks. He doesn't take personal speaking fees from the big banks either. I mean, damn, when he said that, I was like jumping out of my seat cheering because it was so strong. I mean, how do you respond to that if you're Hillary Clinton? You conspicuously gave speeches on behalf of Goldman Sachs and you conspicuously gave speeches on behalf of the healthcare industry. So for Hillary Clinton to say that she took on the healthcare industry, what she doesn't tell you is that she took them on and they co-opted her. So she was given almost $900,000 in campaign donations from the health insurance industry, and she got millions and millions of dollars in speeches to speak on their behalf. So I don't expect Hillary Clinton to be a defender of our healthcare system. I think that she's going to be defending the healthcare industry because that's who's greasing her palms. Now, the moderators asked him how he's going to pay for all these policies. They listed all these policies. They made it seem as though, you know, he's very utopian and it can never happen. And Bernie Sanders had the perfect response. So when it comes to, you know, free college uh, for everyone, when it comes to universal daycare, universal health care, he says, yeah, you know what? I plead guilty. I'm in favor of these policies. That right there was just so genuine. It was so phenomenal. And I like how when it comes to rebutting these criticisms against him, he was just so direct and he was as fired up as ever. So, for example, when Hillary Clinton attacked him, he said that she's making a Republican criticism of his policy. Now, furthermore, he also did a great job when it comes to universal health care of explaining how universal health care would save Americans money. Now, also at the end there, when he kind of gave the devastating blow to Hillary Clinton, he said, if you have an administration stacked with Wall Street appointees, they're not going to do very much. And Goldman Sachs is not going to bring forth a secretary of Treasury for a Sanders administration administration. And that was absolutely just, I mean, that was insane. I mean, the things that Bernie Sanders said are really going to resonate with the American people. I, I truly believe that. I think this was the debate where he just, I mean, it was his breakout performance. It was phenomenal. Uh, now, finally, from Bernie Sanders, um, when asked, do you regret saying that Bill Clinton's actions were disgraceful? I love that he said that he was annoyed by that question because the media always tries to set him up so that way they can have some type of sensational headline. They want him to attack Bill. They want him to attack Hillary. But Bernie Sanders is trying to stay focused on the policy issues at hand, but they always try to pivot to something else. Uh, and so he was right. To say, look, that was a question that the media was asking me that 
is something that I don't really want to talk about. Of course, his actions were deplorable, but I want to stay focused on the policy issue. So I love that he brought that up. So when it comes to Hillary Clinton, you can just tell by her demeanor that she was ready to attack Bernie Sanders on any and everything possible. Uh, she said, I'm absolutely committed to universal health care, and I took on the health insurance industry in the 90s. I thought that she looked really condescending when she said that, and if she's committed to universal health care, then why aren't you proposing a universal health care system? Why have you been attacking Bernie Sanders' universal health care plan for the last month and a half? So if you're really committed to universal health care, then support it. I mean, how could you say one thing and do something completely different? I mean, she's talking out of both sides of her mouth at the same time. That's like me saying, I support a $15 minimum wage, but I am opposed to it. I mean, it's just completely logically insane, and I don't think she's going to come out looking good after this. Also, uh, I had a problem with the way that she tried to paint Bernie Sanders' newly released healthcare plan as one that's different than what he's been talking about before. So the newly, newly released comprehensive plan, it's not anything new. It's what he's been talking about all along. He's been very clear from the beginning. Um, so it's nothing new, but she's really trying to point it, paint it as this new plan that he's proposing and that he's kind of going on a different path. That's not true. Everything he's talked about, uh, the same way he's talking about paying for it now, is the same way he's talked about paying for it before. So I don't understand how she can do this and not actually even feel guilty about being so disingenuous. Um, so overall, Hillary Clinton looked so bad on healthcare. Um, and the way that she was talking was as though she doesn't even want to try to help the Americans. She thinks that the Affordable Care Act is just good enough. You know, we don't deserve anything better than that. We don't deserve universal health care like all the other uh, citizens in other modern industrialized nations. We get to take baby steps towards universal health care. But we're all tired of that. That's why we're getting really fatigued by Hillary Clinton, because she doesn't want to do anything for us. And in actuality, I don't think she wants to do anything at all. I think she wants to actually help her buddies on Wall Street and the big corporations. And now it absolutely boggles my mind how she has the audacity to state that I have experience standing up to the health insurance industry and they're going to spend millions more attacking me because of my support of the Affordable Care Act. Hillary Clinton, the health insurance industry loves the Affordable Care Act. Do you know why? It requires citizens to purchase private insurance. Guess who makes money from that? Hmm, none other than the health insurance industry. So no, they're not going to be running ads against you. Uh, because of your support for the Affordable Care Act, if anything, they're going to be donating to you. And no, you have not stood up to them. Uh, if you stood up to them, you wouldn't have accepted any campaign contributions for them. You were advocating for universal health care in 1993, but once they donated almost 900000 bucks to you, and once you started giving uh, speeches on their behalf, all of a sudden, you're best friends with them. So I don't think that you can state that you took them on, because technically you did, but you failed miserably. And furthermore... Um, I don't think that they're going to be running much attack ads against you, Hillary Clinton. I think that your interests are very much aligned with theirs. Okay, now getting to Wall Street, she said, I'm the one that Wall Street doesn't want to be up against, implying that she's going to be tough on them. I laughed out loud so hard when she said that. That was just so terrible. I don't think she realizes that none of us believe that she's going to be tough on Wall Street. If you don't even support the reinstatement of Glass-Steagall so that way banks can't gamble with our money, I don't think you're going to be very tough on them. Something that is just a common sense policy that could prevent lots of problems. If you're not in favor of that, then you're not in favor of real Wall Street reform. So I don't believe you right there. Um, so she was absolutely demolished through and through um, <laughs> throughout the entire debate. She was demolished on healthcare, demolished on Wall Street. Uh, this was her worst performance yet. And any mainstream media outlet that inevitably says that she won that we're going we're gonna to see it, trust me, we're going to see that she won, but any media outlet that states that she did, 
they're just a joke. They should be completely discredited because after this, Hillary Clinton is badly burned. She is feeling the burn hard. I don't know that she can recover from this. I mean, Iowa is in just a few weeks. And man, is she in bad shape after this debate. And look, I mentioned this last time too. Whenever they get to an issue in the debate where Hillary Clinton um, is not doing well, she'll always pivot to the Republicans. So for example, she states, at least we're having a vigorous debate about reigning in Wall Street. Meanwhile, the Republicans, yada, yada, yada. I mean, when that came up, I was like, oh, there it is right there. Whenever in doubt, pivot to Wall Street. So that way, the focus kind of um, is no longer on you when it goes to the Republicans, who are obviously worse than you. But, I mean, this is a Democratic debate. I already know about the Republicans, and I know that they're corrupt. But I want you to show me that you're not corrupt. But we know that you are not that you are corrupt. So Now, also, when she said, I want to raise income and not taxes, that's a Republican thing to say. Because Democratic voters are not just unequivocally against taxes being increased. Look, if I don't have to pay for private insurance, uh, but I have to pay higher taxes... Well, I think I'd take the higher taxes because that's going to save me money. I'm all about saving myself money. I'm self-interested, right? So, I mean, if you get rid of the private insurance health industry, uh, but I have to pay taxes instead, of course I'm in favor of that. I mean, there's nuance to the world. It's not just black and white. Taxes aren't bad, 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 bad. We don't think like that because we're not Republicans. So the fact that she'd say something like, I want to raise incomes, not taxes, so Republican. Of course, Bernie Sanders wants to raise incomes. That's what he's talking about. That's why he wants a $15 minimum wage, uh, but you only want a $12 minimum wage. So are you really serious about raising incomes? Because Bernie Sanders would actually raise incomes because we'd save money by not having to pay into the private health insurance industry. We'd make more money by having a $15 minimum wage. So Hillary Clinton, you need to show me how you actually do want to raise our incomes. I don't care about taxes if I have more money in my pocket in the long run. So getting to Martin O'Malley, this was such a bad debate for him. I think that he did better than last time, but last time he did a terrible job. So, I mean, this doesn't really raise the bar for him. I thought that it was really cringy how he tried to cut in before the break and they ignored him. Oh, that didn't look good for him. Also, he's just so smarmy. He's so disingenuous. He always resorts to platitudes, things like, I always bring people together. He is the de facto Democratic John Kasich. Both of them love to talk about their governor experience. Both of them love to state a bunch of platitudes. When I don't care about platitudes, I want actual concrete policy details. But I did really enjoy how when Hillary Clinton was trying to um, tout her Wall Street reform plan and how she's so tough, how he basically just cut in and said, that's not true. And I thought that he destroyed Hillary Clinton on Wall Street, as did Bernie Sanders. But I mean, that right there was great. Here's the thing about Martin O'Malley. As soon as he speaks everything comes to a halt. I mean, you hear all the candidates, Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton fired up about something, you know, the crowd's cheering, and as soon as Martin O'Malley opens his mouth, it's just crickets. He just really knows how to kill the mood, um, and candidates just aren't willing to engage with what he says. Nobody really cares um, unless he attacks them. Nobody's really paying attention to Martin O'Malley. Um, and one thing is that, you know, he always comes up with these anecdotes. I talked to someone in Iowa. I talked to someone in Michigan. And he does it every time, and he does it so much, he didn't realize that he used the same anecdote this time. So, for example, he um, talked about how he spoke with a woman who said, I don't want my son to be known as, you know, a boot on the ground. I think that's dehumanizing. And look, it's poignant, but he doesn't have anything else to say right there. He just always pivots to anecdotes. And it's, it's so tired already. Uh, but anyways, I think that will conclude my, uh, my debate coverage right there. So, overall, I mean... 
Bernie Sanders, this was by far his strongest performance yet, and I think this is going to give him so much more momentum um, going into Iowa. Now, let me just say, with every ounce of momentum that uh, Bernie Sanders earns, anytime he's higher in the polls um, and his numbers increase, we have to work that much harder because Hillary Clinton is very cognizant of the fact that Bernie Sanders is a looming threat. So she's going to try to pull out all the stops. So what we got to do is we got to one-up her. So her campaign is going to work harder every single time Bernie Sanders is doing better. So we got to work quadruple the amount as their campaign does. I, I said this in another video earlier, uh, and I want to reinstate that. I want to emphasize how important that is, that we keep on moving. Fro phone bank for Bernie Sanders. Donate to Bernie Sanders' campaign and try to convince people to get on board. If you're in Iowa and New Hampshire, knock on some doors. So uh, that's it. That's my coverage. Man, Bernie Sanders. I mean, he took this debate by storm.